This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Payments Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Renwine, and I'm joined today by my good friend, co-founder and CEO of Astra, Gil Akos. Thanks for having me, Scott. Gil, uh, before we get started, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself and Astra? So we started Astra six years ago, offering a vertically integrated payments platform. So it's super easy, regardless of if it's coming from a card to a bank, from a bank to a card, from me to Scott or Scott to a business. All those different payment routes are really compatible and very easy to develop towards if you are building a product in the financial services or uh, you don't touch payments at all yet and you want to. On your journey to create Astra, was it always with the mind of, of payments and was it always to embed your services into financial institutions and other applications? We had a kind of fundamental problem we were solving for, which is like, how do you get money from to the right place at the right time, ideally as fast as possible, right? And that transaction of value from source to destination was really the starting point. So originally, no, we didn't think we were going to be a payments company necessarily, although there was kind of a payments element to the kind of core mission we were trying to to get after. We built an automation engine so that can tell me when the funds should go from account A to account B. We built some underlying payments capabilities, you know, commonly called orchestration today, and put those two pieces together and then realized that, okay, well, th- this is awesome, but like, how are we going to enable this for everybody anywhere to be able to uh, enable these kinds of capabilities inside their product? Well, you kind of have to have a first customer, right? Build that product yourself and consume your API. And that solved two things for us. One, it really helped us uh, figure out kind of kinks and edge cases. And then second is we had enough volume and scale through that initial beta customer that was our own application to, to know that we were enterprise ready, that we could scale and grow into the market and and support larger and larger enterprises along the way. So what were some of the challenges that you saw early on as you started your company in terms of what was the core problem that was facing you and then your future clients? And then what sorts of obstacles did you find as you were on that mission to solve that problem? We started with uh, ACH as the kind of core capability and the composition of our team, we are technologists. And so we come to some things with naivete that's good and productive. So we can think about things from first principles. How is this system going to be? How is it complex? Where are the opportunities for software to provide uh, new value to to our customers, et cetera? But part of that was like, there were certainly some bumps in the road. We were like, okay, cool. Like we found an API to originate ACH transactions. Awesome, let's go. And then like the funds will originate the transaction and then they'll just land. That is just the tip of the iceberg. When it comes to any payments, whether you're talking about ACH, RTP, card networks, any any payment system has all of these quirks and other capabilities that you then have to build. So you think you need this subset of, of elements, but that's really just what you see above the surface. There's all this stuff below the surface that becomes really complicated. So the ultimate solution and the way we set up our system was to be vertically integrated. So those pieces talk to each other within our overall platform architecture and provide additional performance gains. So we just systematically built each layer of intelligence within our stack 
so that other people didn't have to. Yeah, and, and that also shows the the value of being in infrastructure because pain points that you went through when you were building all of this, those hurdles no longer have to be jumped through if you're a customer of yours. I think it's cool that what you've built is something that can apply to so many different use cases. It's a very difficult thing to build and deploy. And it's also flexible in that it can be applied to any different use case because all of these different fintechs all have the same problem of just sending money around. If you do think that everybody's every company is going to become a fintech company, well, like why should every company have to spend a year building like the same core infrastructure, right? Like that just shouldn't be the case. Like this sounds like a great uh, opportunity for techno- technological innovation to come through and make it like just really easy, right? Like the same way Google and Google Docs finishes your sentences for you. Like <laughs> it should be that easy with regard to payments. And there's a lot of need with regard to funds moving around. There's like $970 trillion of cash moving around the U.S. every year. Uh, and it is just starting to be really digitized and functionalized uh, through infrastructure providers like Astra. Because the core problem is I need to get funds from here to there. And I need to do this in a scalable way, both from a performance standpoint, from a scale, like a scalable infrastructure standpoint, from I shouldn't have to build this for 12 months. I shouldn't have to hire 10 people that just manage payment ops for me because I have this kind of complicated interface with the underlying payment rails. If the ideal case is I use an API, I say, please make it funds $100 go from this account to that, and it happens, then we've won. Like that, that everyone will have the benefit of that. That phrase gets thrown out a lot within fintech, that every company becomes a fintech company. But I think what it comes down to primarily is payments. Now, there's other services that other companies want to provide, like Uber wanted to start uh, giving people like loans for the cars they're driving or things like that. They want to get into these other financial service products. It all started with the simple problem of how do we make it easier for just to pay for something? The user experience that's expected now is something that's instant, like everything else in our lives. But the underlying infrastructure of the US banking system and the international banking system is anything but easy to use and instant. It's cool to see people that are conquering the issue of how do we make it so that this experience is instant, even if the underlying technological infrastructure is outdated. Some of the most exciting things that we're seeing today in the market are industries like trucking or contracting, where time to money is money is important. You have to pay your driver, they might, otherwise they might not leave the, the parking lot with your goods in the back of their rig. I'm using domestic scenarios, but the same could go for international ones where you're trying to get someone's funds as fast as possible. And yes, the core or underlying traditional rails don't actually settle instantly, but there are ways where technology can fill in the gaps. And so you can have something where a, a company's offering budgeting and uh, sales forecasting software, so like SaaS, and then couple that with infrastructure like someone like Astra, and you don't have to go down to the level of, oh goodness, like we have to find a sponsor bank and go through all this stuff and payments aren't our thing, but we want to provide value to our customers. You can do that with modern technology and infrastructure providers like Astra so that you're just getting the payments capabilities without all the the complicated stuff behind the scenes. And if it just works, contractors happy, laborers happy, truck drivers happy, Everyone's happy because they're getting the net benefit of this core infrastructure. Um, I touched upon the 
legacy infrastructure for a lot of the payments that move around the United States. We'll focus on the U.S. first. And the clearinghouse um, is making innovations like FedNow and real-time payments um, that are supposed to be 24-7 settlement, 365 days a year. What are you excited about with these innovations? What does it mean to users and fintechs? And what does it mean for companies like you as the infrastructure for making payments easier? The fact that ACH has you know, a three-day administrative return window is because, yes, it was designed in the 70s to replace paper checks originally. So some of those mechanics map one-to-one to what would happen when a check gets deposited somewhere and then bounces. But the the need for that is because there are checks that will bounce and there are ACH payments that will fail. And then second is regardless of what the acronym is, a payment is a payment, whether it's ACH, RTP, AFT, OCT, FedNow, choose the acronym. To be able to initiate or originate one of those payment types is great. And the fact that there are more like FedNow coming down the, the pike that's net good for everybody involved, right? It means more choice and more options when it comes to how am I trying to get from here's the product I've built and the, the customer base I serve to the solution that matches up to FedNow or TP or whichever one you're choosing, or maybe all of them. I think it's all net good. You still need technology to make that payment functional. And what we see increasingly every day is that you can't just say like, okay, Here's my product and the solution I'm trying to to accomplish. And that means I just use one payment type with one set of parameters for one settlement window, right? You actually end up needing to have multiples or hybrids so that the the best technology should route your funds maybe across multiple rails. And stringing those together functionally means that uh, our technology and our value is agnostic to the underlying rails. It's interesting that just because you make these updates to these payment systems and you make these improvements still doesn't solve every single problem that we have. And I think that's the case uh, with with blockchain as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, even though a new payment rail, whether it's blockchain enabled or it's FedNow or something else, starts to roll out and becomes more widely adopted for new use cases or to support faster settlement for existing use cases, the the laws aren't going to change that fast. Those laws and compliance requirements have to be in place regardless of what payment route is. The ideal technology still that enables all these awesome payment systems still has to have compliance features and aspects to it, operational features and aspects to it, uh, regulatory aspects and features to it. And the best way to solve for that is to be vertically integrated, right? Where you're handling more of this on behalf of the developer or you're providing automated tools to help them handle the complexities because you have expertise in-house, that is the most scalable outcome for serving the most set, like the broadest set of, of solutions for the broadest set of developers, the broadest set of products. There's so many rules and regulations to how money moves around the world that we run into so many different limitations, not from the technology itself, but from the banks and the regulators that are involved in moving the money. Um, especially for something like like crypto. So what are the different ways that you've had to navigate like the compliance and regulatory landscape when building Astra? And how has that come out in your product? If you start with the compliance first mindset, like that should be an input to all of your design and architecture decisions. If you do that, then you're set up to handle those things because you don't kind of get out over your keys and end up with a situation where you have to race to fill some 
gap. So the way that has played out in our system is that, yes, one input, uh, one set of inputs comes from the end user's profile. So we have like an identity system internal to our, our payments platform. That is one layer, though, in, that goes into our overall model for assessing. We can optimize and track the lifecycle of the entire payment start to finish and thereby continue to optimize for the best outcome. So there's like 75 or so data points that we're ingesting all going into this decision-making process. And as a result, you get the fastest possible payments for the fastest number of uh, payment initiations. And while also um, reducing risk, you're optimizing across multiple variables like out of the gate. And so your loss rates become super low, like effectively zero, and your speeds become super fast. And now you're serving with you know your customers with the best product experience out there. It's interesting. By virtue of being a payments company, you also become like a compliance company somewhere along the route. One hot topic that I think a lot of people on this podcast love to talk about is is the central bank digital currencies, uh, the so-called stable coins that are digital currencies that are pegged one to one with fiat currency. So we've seen you know central banks like China issue out their their digital version of their currency, and then I know from the cross-border side, there's work to see how can we make these currencies interoperable. So I think it's called the, the Bank of International Settlements or something like that, which is like four central banks in Asia and supporting banks like Goldman Sachs are creating a way for central bank digital currencies to trade back and forth at the same speed as a blockchain payment. So what are your thoughts on stable coins and, and how does that impact what you guys plan on doing at Astra? It's a super interesting moment in time uh, to see some of the developments that are happening, whether that's government-led initiatives like PICS or UPI uh, that are happening globally, or um, their international-focused opportunities for something like this collection of currency stablecoins. Whenever we're talking about solutions and kind of product strategy, it always comes down to like what is what is the outcome that is trying to be achieved. And then break down the payment route from whom to whom and where to where. And when you think about it that way, it's very easy to be heterogeneous in terms of what the underlying payment mechanism would be. A lot of what we're kind of rolling out today with some of our customers is instant disbursements. And it's a hybrid route using the bank rails, ACH, and uh, using the card rails for OCTs, so push to card. As an example, swap out one or both of those uh, or either one of them as a kind of blockchain-enabled stablecoin transaction, and you can accomplish new things as well as the other things that are meant for the counterparty's receiving account that should be something like a, a stablecoin-compatible receiving payment instrument. In its totality, if you're thinking about it, like this is going to be the entire homogenous outcome with this brand new technology, it's exciting to think about that future, whether that's with real-time payments and RTP and FedNow or something enabled by layer one or layer two blockchains, like all that's super exciting. But for us and where we think the most interesting use cases will come from are ones that we don't necessarily expect and where there's there from a compatibility standpoint, you're enabling a new use case because it's not just one or the other. Whatever the underlying piece is, the ultimate incarnation of Astra is an internet layer for your money. And that would be inclusive of every payment type 
regardless of the technology, regardless of who issues the rails, and regardless of the settlement mechanics. Um, we're, we're almost out of time, but staying on the theme of payments, I wanted to talk to you about fundraising. And the reason for that is I know that you guys just raised your Series A, and that's the hot topic in fintech right now is VCs, money, money's drying up, everybody's running with a panic. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit, but what's it like to, to raise in this environment? And what is your prediction for the VC market going into what many people are, are predicting is a recession? And I wanted to quickly point out that for those involved in payments, payments were some of the, probably the most sturdy segments, segments within fintech, even as uh, a lot of money left the market. It is an interesting moment in time. Um, luckily, two things happened to be true for Astra last year. One is that we were counter-cyclical to all the trends that were happening elsewhere. And payments have this unique capability of being really valuable in uh, great times, in bull markets, and very valuable to companies in bear markets. It's just about what, which side of your balance sheet and set of objectives are you trying to optimize for? A great payment solution can help you grow faster. A great payment solution can offer you scalable and even cost savings um, for how you can grow your business, even if you have to be lean. We spent like three years just building the core technology before bringing it to market. That put us in an advantage in an environment where some people would say it's very choppy. In terms of an outlook, I think there's an overarching theme that uh, it might be harder to raise funds if you need to or want to in this calendar year. But at the same time, investors are looking for strong fundamentals. That's the word of the year for me when it comes to startups is like foundationally, do you have strong fundamentals? Maybe one way to measure that is your top line revenue. Maybe one other way to uh, measure that is your capital efficiency or your margins or whatever. But if you have that, um, you're, I think, going to be in, in an okay place. Um, regardless of whether it's we're going to be in a recession or not, or this is a blip and we're back to uh, kind of things as they were. If you have strong fundamentals, uh, then I think you're good. If you aren't already focused on your fundamentals, uh, get after it. And I think everything will be fine. Yep. And, and one way to help the fundamentals, unpaid interns and, you know, hiring a team that doesn't mind working long hours, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, well, work-life balance is important. Uh, and <laughs> <I'm joking>. um, <laughs> if, if you are building good technology, it is the thing that's doing the work when you sleep. That's the coolest thing about, you know, the feedback cycle of building in something like payments with real-time settlement. When we're prototyping and building a new solution and we like click hit the API, and then like funds land on my debit card, uh, that's pretty spectacular. It's like a magical experience. And if that API is built with strong infrastructure behind the scenes, it means that any developer can do that same thing and it, your technology can continue to run 24 seven, 365, and you don't have to have unpaid interns or, or not sleep. Um, and now you're set up well for the long term. Uh, well, thanks, Gil. This has been a lot of fun. For those who are looking to learn more about Astra or get in touch with you, uh, where's the plus, best place to do that? You can check us out at astra.finance. That's our URL to our website. Um, we're also on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find me at Gil underscore Acos. And always excited to talk to other people in payments or looking to learn about payments. So definitely reach out. Well, thanks a lot, Gil. Thanks for having me, Scott. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. 
connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe by your favorite podcast player. Until next time.